Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, pray. Father, now we come before you and we sit at your feet, Lord Jesus, and ask you to teach us in your precious name. Amen. If you turn in your Bible now to Ruth chapter 4, yes, we have not forgotten about Ruth. And so see how fast you can find Ruth (laughs) in the Bible. She's hiding. She's shy. But she's there. Ruth chapter 4, Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Then went up Boaz to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, Thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, we've been going through here this journey with Ruth. We've been traveling with her on her journey from the darkness of the country that she came from, from Moab, a land of idolatry. And she's come from Moab to the light of the country of Israel that she's come into. And it's easy to look at Ruth like the character of Christian in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress because Ruth has a wonderful mentor here, Naomi. And she's helped Ruth to find the true God, the God of Israel. And we've watched this love develop between Ruth and Naomi. And there's been an account of how much love that Ruth has for Naomi and how much love Naomi has for Ruth. That's what this is an account of. And chapter three opened with this love being poured out by Naomi. She was guiding Ruth. Ruth, get married. Have a home in Israel, a home where your heart can be at rest. And Naomi has guided Ruth to go and seek for Boaz to marry her. And when we last saw Ruth at the last verse of chapter 3, we saw Ruth, she was anxious, and we called her anxiety unholy 
anxiety. We're, and there are some anxieties in our life that are unholy anxieties. There are holy anxieties also. And Naomi had told Ruth just to sit still and see how this matter is going to, as she put it, fall. And that was great advice. And Naomi and her wisdom had told Ruth what to do, to go and ask Boaz essentially to marry her. And now in her wisdom, she's telling Ruth that there was nothing more that she could do now but just to sit still, sit down, and see what's going to happen. And that advice was so hard for Ruth, and it's so hard for us. When we are in a position where it's so hard to sit and wait on the Lord and to see how a matter is going to fall, we want to do something. We always want to do something. We want to do anything. But not just sit still. That's the most painful, and just wait on the Lord. But there comes a time when we need to listen to Naomi's advice and take it as from the Lord, that last verse in chapter three that says, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. So Naomi, in her wisdom, told Ruth that Boaz was not gonna be sitting still. She was saying, you sit still, I guarantee you Boaz is not gonna sit still because she went on in that verse, uh, chapter three, verse 18, 318, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. And so this is exactly what we see now as we come to Boaz in verse 1. Boaz probably went to this gate very early in the morning so that he could be sure to catch this man. He wouldn't miss this man. And he just sits down there at the gate. Boaz sits down at the gate. Now the gate of the city was a very important place. Business was conducted at the gate. Legal transactions were conducted at the gate. And so he's just sitting there and he's waiting for this man who's called the kinsman to arrive. And finally he arrives, as it says. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Oh, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Now, we see Boaz, he's just going right into action, and he's going about to negotiate this transaction with this businessman here. It's amazing is that Boaz is going to do all this work of negotiating to be able to marry Ruth, and Ruth's not there. Ruth has no idea what's going on. She doesn't even know what he's doing as he's going about to try to marry her. Now, she's eventually going to find out later what Boaz did, but that's only after Boaz has totally finished the work. And then he'll come and tell her what the result of the negotiation was. But all the while that Boaz is negotiating, Ruth is sitting at home with Naomi. She's just sitting there. That's a picture for us. That's a picture for us that the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did when he went to save us. We weren't present when the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, when he did work to negotiate us. We had no knowledge that he was dying for our sins to be able to save us. As a matter of fact, the way it's described is in Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8, which says, but God who commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When God loved us, when the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, we were blissfully ignorant. We were blissfully ignorant of what he was doing, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, of everything. We were running away from God. We were running away from the Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. God was not in any of our thoughts. We were described as yet sinners in Romans 5, 8, when the Lord Jesus Christ died for us. We were described in Isaiah 53, 6, which says, all we like sheep, we were the all we like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. See, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all while we were going astray. It was the greatest, most monumental moment in eternity we didn't even know. We didn't even know. It says the Lord laid on him, and we were just, we were going astray. The Lord, literally in the Hebrew, it says, the Lord made all our iniquities to meet on him, to meet on him. And we didn't know. We didn't know that all of our iniquities were meeting on him. We were just happy, dumb sheep just going astray. And when it was all done, when it was all finished, then we learned about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when he died on the cross, when he paid for all of our sins. And in the same way, when Ruth next time meets Boaz, it'll be after the whole negotiation is done. Now, we see here the exact words of Boaz, what he says to the kinsman in verse 1, when it says there, he says, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside. So here's Boaz, and he says, Ho, such a one. And turned aside, sit down here. He meets the man, and he's got this strong confidence. Boaz has this strong confidence and assurance. It's not obnoxious. He's not obnoxious, but by the same token, he's not timid. Boaz is not timid at all. Here's the man who's standing in the way between Boaz being able to marry Ruth. He's an obstacle. And Boaz is not nervous. He's not shy. He's not hesitating. In fact, he's just the opposite with this man. There's a measure of, of confidence. He's sure. He's convinced. And so he comes to the man, and he's, as he seeks to have the Lord open the door for Boaz to marry Ruth. I mean, this man was standing as an obstacle in his way. But for Boaz, there were no obstacles in his way, because in the heart of Boaz, he believed that he was going to get Ruth for his wife. And that's a picture of how we should pray. There's a picture here of how we should pray. It says, you know, when we pray... We know that when we're praying for, what we pray for, we want the will of God. And God calls on, on us to have a confidence, to have an assurance, and to have a belief that God is able to do this, as it says in Mark eleven twenty four. In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore I say unto you, that what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Another place he puts in Matthew twenty one twenty two, Matthew twenty one twenty two, and all things... Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So, and it was because Boaz believed that the Lord was going to have him marry Ruth. That Boaz believed that the Lord was going to give Ruth to him to marry. That Boaz just didn't give up when he ran into this obstacle. When he hits this obstacle, Boaz pushes harder. And again, that's a picture of what the Lord said that we should do when we're in prayer. As it says in Luke eleven nine. Luke eleven nine says, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you, for every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of his father, of that is his father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion rather? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So we start off by asking, and when we run into an obstacle, then we ratchet it up to seeking, and we still have the obstacles, then we ratchet it up to knocking. This is the picture of the woman who would not take no for an answer. This is a picture of the Jewish woman who would not take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah, Luke, as it says, Luke, 11, Luke 18, 1, Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city 
a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was also a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this woman troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear ye what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, who, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. This is what we're going to see in Boaz. We're going to see he's not going to take no for an answer. And, what we, and when we see this in the greeting here that Boaz gives the kinsman, he says, ho, ho is an interesting word. Because ho is a word that's like there's something, whoa, there's something, a surprise, something not expected. Ho. It's a, God used that word ho. God used that word ho to express this is something you didn't expect. This is a surprise. When he said in Isaiah 55.1, he said in Isaiah 55.1, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye and buy and eat, and yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear. Come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Boy, when you read that in Isaiah 53, you can just hear the Lord saying, you will not come unto me that you might have life in John. So in the previous chapter, what I just read here, this is Isaiah 55. In the previous chapter, I'm sorry, this is Isaiah 55, right? The previous chapter ended Isaiah 54 with no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. Then in the next verse, the next verse, in the next chapter 25, the first verse explains what's the heritage of the Lord? It's for everyone, not just Jewish people, everyone, all people. Come to the Lord, enjoy having the soul satisfied with what money can't buy. That's the friendship and fellowship with God. And the only qualification is thirst. That's the only qualification is thirst. Is it comes, ho, everyone that thirsteth. That's all that's required. The invitation is to come to the Lord, as he said, come unto me. In verse 3, chapter 55, Isaiah 55, 3, come unto me. And the surprise was to come and to buy with no money. Well, here's Boaz. He's calling out to this kinsman. He says, ho, Boaz, something surprising to tell the man. And Boaz asked the man, the kinsman, to sit down, and he does. And in verse 1, we see this scene now. He's sitting down there with Boaz. And, and now Boaz says, oh, I need some witnesses. So he goes and he takes 10 elders of the city. Now, I would suppose that Boaz was himself an elder of the city, but he takes 10 other elders of the city. And so he's making this transaction now to be a public one when he brings these 10 together. And that reminds us of how the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins publicly, in plain view. The whole city could see on the hill up there, as Paul told King Agrippa in Acts 26, 26. Acts 26, 26 was speaking to King Agrippa, and he says, "'For the king knoweth of these things, "'before whom also I speak freely.'" For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. This thing was not done in a corner. The crucifixion was not done in a corner. It was in public view. And that's not all that the Lord Jesus Christ did openly. It says in Colossians 2.13, Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, 
having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, publicly, triumphing over them in it. See, not only did he die for our sins, publicly, and that's when he blotted out our crime sheet, publicly. He also spoiled principalities and powers, publicly made a show of them, openly. So now Boaz, he's gotten these 10 elders all together in the city. They're all sitting down. He says to them, sit ye down here. And they sat down, as it says. And now we picture the scene, you know, Boaz, maybe he's already got, before this even happened, maybe he had 12 chairs all in place there. We don't know. But we know that Boaz is sitting there, and there they all are, all 12 of them. And he's ready to speak to the kinsmen. He's got the 10 elders acting as witnesses. And so we picture the whole thing. It's very clear. And everyone is all sitting down. And he turns to him in verse 3, and he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi, here's the good news, here's the surprising news. Naomi has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Eli Melech's. So Boaz explains, Naomi needs money. Naomi needs money, and she's intending to sell property of her deceased husband, Eli Melech. Now, the way real estate was viewed in Israel at that time is not the way that we view real estate today. You know, today, real estate is viewed as an investment with the idea, okay, well, I'll buy low, I'll sell high, and I'll make money. But property was not viewed that way in Israel because when Israel entered into the land of Canaan first, for the first time, God divided up the land to the Jewish people by their tribes. And then within each area for a tribe, it was further subdivided by families. And it was very important for a family to have the land, to work the land, to live off the land, to have children that would work off the land, that would live off the land, and that was God's plan. And so God caused the land to be fruitful, and we can see today how fruitful Israel is as it is, and that's what he does with the earth. God does that. He causes the earth, as it says in Psalm 104, 14, Psalm 104, 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, an herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth fruit out of the earth. And God's original plan when he created the earth was that it would bring forth fruit out of the earth. That's what he said in Genesis 1.11. Genesis 1.11, God said, let the earth bring forth seed, bring forth grass rather, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. I'm going to go out and get those oranges today. Just say to yourself, God made that to come out of the earth. And then he said in Genesis 1.29, God said, behold to man, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat. Okay. So God wanted every family in Israel to have their own parcel of land. And that that land was to bring forth the food for that family. The land had to stay in the family. And if a parcel was sold, then at the year of Jubilee, then the land would return to the family. And so the families would continue and not be snuffed out through a lack of property. But if a man died and he had no children, then it was expected that his brother would take his widow and have children with her and that those children would be counted 
as the children of the deceased man, the deceased husband, and they would return to the land and continue in that family's name. And in the rare event that there were no male children born, then the land would transfer to the family that bought it, and that family would discontinue in Israel. So when Boaz, when Boaz told Eli this kinsman, that Eli, about Eli Malik's kinsman, that Naomi intended to sell a parcel of land, that meant that the land would still be counted as Eli Malik's land. Now, since Naomi was too old to have children herself, and Eli Malik didn't have any surviving children, this kinsman assumed, well, that there was no way for Eli Malik's family to continue on. So he thought, oh, great, this land of Eli Malik's is going to become part of my um, assets. It's going to become part of my family property. And that's how Boaz initially presented the offer to him. When he said in verse 4, I thought to advertise these saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of the people, and so forth. So, what we see now is in a proposal that Boaz has talked about, he's talked about this land, he's presented this offer, so that it seems to the kinsman, wow, this is too good to be true. This is a great deal. I will be able to increase, as a rare opportunity, my property. And in fact, that was the way that Boaz presents this offer to the kinsman. Kinsman, Boaz is masterful here. He presents to him such a good deal, like a secret hot tip. You know, you can picture this. In fact, the Hebrew is very graphic here. In verse 4, when it says, I thought to advertise thee. In the original, there's two Hebrew words that are used here. One word is the word ear, and the other is to uncover so really what he said was, you know, I came to uncover your ear. In other words, you know, take the hair off that was covering his ear so that he could whisper a secret in his ear. This is a hot tip, right? The great, uh, so Boaz is saying, look, the, you, know, you know, I want to whisper a secret in your ear that there's a great opportunity here for you. You're going to get a great deal. You're going to increase your property. It's going to all be all yours. And we can see Boaz encouraging him to go for it. And he says in verse 4, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. Now, we can picture the 10 elders, you know, they're sitting there nodding in their heads and they're saying, wow, such a deal. That's a real opportunity you got there. You should grab it. That's such a rare find, a great deal, an opportunity like that only knocks once. Go for it. And now we see how Boaz is telling the kinsmen that this opportunity might slip away. It might slip away because he's next in line. And if he doesn't take the offer, then Boaz will. And Boaz does this with the words, in verse 4, if thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if not, if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. So at this point, we would say to Boaz, Boaz, what are you doing? <laughs> you just presented to this man this incredibly good deal. He's going to jump on it. What are you doing? Which is exactly what we see him doing when he gives his reply at the end of verse 4. And he said, I will redeem it. He jumps on it. I will redeem it. I mean, this was Boaz's plan. Because what Boaz has done is to draw out the greed of this kinsman. And so the design of the laws of property was not for self-enrichment. That was never God's design for self-enrichment. It was always service. It was always ministry. You keep the property in the name of the family of the deceased. But this kinsman, he has no interest in serving. He has no interest in ministering so the families can keep their property and remain in the, the name of the deceased. This kinsman is only thinking of himself. And what a great deal this is going to be for himself. 
So Boaz, by saying, let me uncover your ear so that I can tell you the secret, Boaz has played right into this man's interest for self-enrichment. It's like Boaz is fishing, you know, and he's moving the bait along to allure the fish. And then this fish, you know, responds to us when he says, I will redeem it. He jumps on it. Okay, so now that Boaz has drawn out this man's hunger to be enriched, self-enrichment, now Boaz has drawn out this man's greed. It's come up to the surface now, and this kinsman is thinking that, boy, this is too good to be true. And Boaz drops this bombshell with, oh, by the way, you know, it's like, verse five, oh, by the way. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back. So join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. 